Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Ann and guest host and producer Nick Opich are talking with Tyler Robson, the CEO of The Valance Company, a global leader in the end-to-end development and manufacturing of innovative cannabinoid-based products. Valance is the largest third-party extraction company in Canada with an annual capacity of 425,000 kilograms of dried cannabis and hemp biomass at its facility in British Columbia, which is in the process of becoming EU GMP compliant. The Valance company currently offers a wide range of product formats, including tinctures, two-piece caps, soft gels, oral sprays, and vape pens, as well as beverages, concentrates, topicals, edibles, injectables, and natural health products, and has a strong pipeline of next-generation products in development for future release. This company is not only the pulse of the Canadian markets, but they're also expanding internationally. This is a good news story in the space. We encourage you to listen in. Now onto our conversation with Tyler Robson. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on The Green Rush. We're excited to have you on. We actually had your colleague Everett Knight on about six months ago. So our listeners are a bit familiar with the Valens company, or at that time it was probably Valens Works. But before we get into Valens and, and you know some of the exciting stuff you guys have going on, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your cannabis journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I was kind of born and bred in the cannabis sector. Uh, I've been there for the majority of my life. I, I started in kind of the early days of the MMAR, MMPR, back when you got like a physical card to cultivate plants. Uh, basically learned from the ground up there, uh, went away to university, University of Saskatchewan, uh, graduated in honors with biochemistry, and then basically made my way back to Kelowna to be one of the founders of Valens. Uh, that being said, with the founder of Valens, uh, it was a little bit more unique than what people will give it credit for. Uh, at the time, you could apply for cultivation licenses and then apply for sales license for flower, uh, which we didn't believe that was fundamentally sound. So we actually got the first uh, con- uh, narcotic control regulations licensed dealer using cannabis derivatives as our matrix. So in Canada, we've been in uh, derivatives and extraction a lot longer than people think we have. And you're talking about in in Kelowna, which is in British Columbia, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Western Canada kind of, you know, pioneering from, from the North here. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, how Valens came to be in its current form? Yeah, absolutely. So long story short, uh, a bunch of uh, gentlemen and I got together in, in the very, very early days and we really wanted to get involved in the cannabis space in a bigger way. But the thing we'd learned over the years is that inhalation or smoking flour isn't the cleanest method of ingestion. And when you really look at the global platform of cannabis and how we assumed or or guessed it would roll out, we believed almost every country would eventually have a, a medical program and very few would go recreational. So when you look at medical products and cannabis, it, it starts with derivatives and extracts. So it's it's ethical dosing, it's consistent dosing, whether it's dose one or a million, it's it's identical. And, and that's basically impossible with flour because depending on uh, humidity, temperature, 
temperature, duration, sun intensity. There, there's so many factors that go into flour where extracts, you can really fine tune them and get exactly what you're looking for with different formulations or different delivery factors. So when we had Everett on, you know, he gave us a lot of good background six months ago on, on what the formerly you guys are known as Valens Grow Works. But since then, you guys have evolved into the Valens Company. What went into you guys deciding to make that change and what's been different over that last six months? Yeah, I'd, so, I'd say the evolution of the organization is probably the main thing for that one. We have grown up. We, we've kind of perfected it at, at a small pilot scale, and now we've perfected it at scale. So uh, we, we now have global aspirations. Before, we're, like you guys said, we were kind of a small company out of Kelowna, British Columbia, on the west coast of Canada. Uh, and now we're moving internationally, and we really want to take our IP and technology to the global platform. Uh, and we basically did a rebrand of our entire organization to basically justify and replicate what we're actually doing because I think there's a misconception. A lot of people think we're just extraction, uh, but we're not. We're basically the one-stop shop for cannabis, whether it's testing, manufacturing, formulations, or even distribution. Now we have multiple uh, provinces online taking a bunch of our white label products. So uh, it's really just us maturing as an organization. I love that you brought up international expansion because as Ann and I were getting ready for this, that was one of the questions that I really wanted to ask. And so a lot of Valens' revenue comes from Canada right now, which is a much smaller market than, you know, its southern neighbor. So how are you guys evaluating that uh, international expansion? What do you have plans for for the U.S.? And I, I wonder how much of the challenges from other Canadian LPs like that Aurora and Canopies have faced, how is that weighing into your guys' decision making? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. The U.S. is obviously kind of the holy grail. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we will be there in some way, shape, or form. Right now, we're waiting for legalities and federal uh, legislation, but it's something we're paying very, very close attention to. And then with the farm bill passing, it, it makes it a little bit more user-friendly to go down there and, and do CBD extracts or products. Uh, but the big thing for us is, is, is the opportunity hasn't been right yet. So we've probably looked at 100. We've really looked at 10. And then we've kind of picked a few unique opportunities to really pursue and push uh, to make sure we're driving shareholder value and driving revenue. Are you talking markets in the U.S. or, be, or you know, some of the can you talk a little bit about some of the other markets internationally that you guys are looking at? Yeah, so I would, I'd be lying if I, I said we weren't looking at all of them. Uh, some are a little bit more strategic than others. Uh, South America seems to be an interesting one right now, but they are having some uh, regulatory challenges. Australia is, is moving very quickly. I think Australia is the fastest uh, growing market in cannabis right now. Uh, and then Europe, there's there's been a significant amount of movement in Europe with the UK, Germany, uh, even Denmark has been pretty progressive. And then the US is is still moving, but just there's there's so many unknowns when you look at the US market right now and when will it go federal or what parameters will be, uh, will it be different state by state or is it gonna be consistent throughout? So uh, we're, we're eyeing the US, but we're also staying away. Cannabis 2.0 has been really important to uh, the Valance company. You guys have just launched in the beverage space uh, and, and white labeling has become, you know, to, to your point, a much bigger part of your business. You guys aren't just, you know, the extraction company that's behind the scenes. Um, so how is the 2.0 rollout going, um, you know, and when can people start to see some more of your products on store shelves? I know that's a loaded question. It is a loaded question and <laughs> it's almost impossible to answer, but I'll do my best. So okay. Valance, the Valance company was essentially built for 2.0 and even 3.0. Uh, basically derivatives weren't legal until October 17th, call it 2019, I believe. 
so we're, we're just kind of fresh into the new legalization of those products. Uh, and there's multiple ones we've already launched. And I know we're running under different brands for different licensed producers. Uh, we do have some of the top selling vape pens in the country right now, not under our own brand. Uh, but it's it's been slow. So the the some of the issues Canada has had is is opening private retail stores. So if you look in Ontario, it's the largest market in Canada, but it almost has the fewest stores. So the rollout has been less than ideal, but it's it's we're paving the way essentially. So it, no one's done this before, and, and obviously there's going to be mistakes and hiccups. So we're doing the best we can, and then COVID brings a whole nother yeah. kind of <laughs> issues and problems to the supply chain and and importing even hardware for vape pens or packaging. So uh, it's it's put a damper on things, but we're doing the best we can given the circumstances of the landslide. Um, and I just have a quick follow-up. You guys had done a study um, last year. I mean, it could be last year. It could also be 10 years ago because time is not a real thing in COVID world. Um, but you guys did a study that looked at um, cannabis 2.0 and, and what people were interested in, um, you know, what they would buy, you know, how they would kind of change their behavior or not change their behavior. Are you seeing people, you know, as soon as these products get on the shelves, are they flying off or are you seeing people be like, eh, I'm not really sure about this. Like, I'm just a flower person. I just want to stay in that lane. No, I, I think the market was bagging for different products and different delivery systems. So every product we've launched has absolutely flown off the shelf where we almost have to be a little bit more cautious on what we're promising some of the provinces because they are moving so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very few people have, uh, have the experience with different derivatives and edibles and mm-hmm. concentrates. So we only expect that market to kind of mature and keep expanding as people get a little bit more comfortable with, with regulated dosing and edibles. And that's one thing uh, people have a tough time understanding too is, is edibles. A lot of edible company or manufacturers out there don't have delayed on or uh, rapid onset, delayed offset. And like really con- creating uh, consumer experiences. Where at the Valance Company, we do, we have edibles and beverages that can hit you in under 15 minutes, but only last for about 45. So really replicating experience and, and building comfort with the consumer and trust. It's almost like mirroring alcohol. You know, I, I know if I'm going to have a glass of wine, I know exactly what to feel, what I'm going to feel like. I know, you know, what to expect. And I think that's definitely been missing, um, you know, in the edible and beverage space um, when it comes to cannabis. A hundred percent. Consistency is the biggest one. So when you take an edible, you, you need to know how it's going to react, what your body's going to do, how long it's going to last, when you can drive again. Uh, so I think very few people are doing it right. But as we continue to mature as an industry, uh, I think consumers will demand that. I got a quick question going back to what you were bringing about, talking about when it came to the slow rollout in, in Canada and some of the different provinces, specifically Ontario. What's your read on that going forward? Is the COVID crisis going to make it you know, the, them relax those regulations and start rolling out more stores so that, you know, all those people in, in that province can actually get some of these products? So I don't know if, if COVID is really going to have an impact on opening stores. Uh, it, it's really tough to say because Ontario, I think there's 289 applications in process or coming soon. Uh, so it's just a matter of time for the, the provincial government <laughs> to kind of push those applications and get them open. Uh, but we are seeing movement. We're seeing new new stores opening every single week. And then now that cannabis has been, uh, been deemed an essential business, even during COVID, uh, we should see some significant move in the foreseeable future uh, to get stores open and give uh, consumers access to, to essentially products. I want to go back to beverages for a second because we on this podcast have talked about, you know, is who, who is the audience for this? Um, you know, 
is it someone who isn't necessarily a cannabis user, but is kind of curious, you know, who do you see, you know, you have these, um, the, you guys have just launched summit and base camp beverages, um, and they are on shelves in, in various capacities throughout, um, the country. I mean, they do keep selling out, but, but what do you, what impact do you see, beverages having on the overall industry? How much market share do you think it'll command and who really is, is the target customer here? Yeah. So I, I think market share is going to be between 20 and 25% in time. Wow. Uh, and I think the end consumer is, is everybody. I think there's a time and a place for every, every product. And it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of see. So when you're golfing with your friends, it's, it's so easy to have a, a ice cold cannabis beverage rather than try to roll a joint and get your finger sticky. So I think there's a time and a place for every product, uh, and beverages, I, I think are going to surprise a lot of people because the feedback we've been getting is astronomical. Uh, and I was even a little hesitant kind of studying the Colorado market and California, even Washington, uh, beverages were less than one percent but it's it's really just the experience you can create with a beverage and it's it, it replicates alcohol like you said earlier but it's less caloric intake and you can re really control the experience so i think it's going to surprise a lot of people going forward and, and just the feedback we've been getting is is, is extremely positive uh, we're going to make a couple tweaks going forward as far as dosages go uh, because again consumer feedback is everything uh, but I, i'm i'm very keen and very excited to to see what beverages do I'm excited and keen to see it too. And hopefully across my fingers that they're going to be coming to the U S soon. <laughs> you know, I, I primarily operate out of our New York office, which is yet to be legal. Arizona is hopefully going to be legal, which is where I'm currently at. So I'm hoping to be able to start trying these beverages soon. Um, so you cross my fingers here, Tyler. Yeah, um, I, I'll pray for you. And it's a unique <laughs> experience because once you actually try the beverages, you get the onset, you get, you get the, the experience or the, the, uh, the effect, it's it, it's different for sure. It's, it's completely different than smoking a, a joint or flower. So I'm a big fan. I want to I want to uh, switch back over to talking about investors. Our, our audience for this podcast is, is a very niche investor that is looking at all areas of the cannabis sector. You guys just reported earnings. And even before COVID, you've been one of the shining bright spots in this industry that has featured a real had a really tough time the last year and a half. What is it that you guys are doing that's allowing you to thrive? I would say focus and fundamentals. We, we didn't get caught up in this craze where you get rewarded for how big you are, uh, where we actually want to run a sustainable business long term. So we're thinking five years, 10 years. Uh, and even when we're spending capital, it, it's like we're spending our own personal money. So nothing has been spent to date that I can't justify to everybody. And I sleep extremely well at night knowing we're doing the right thing. So it, it really comes down to focus and fundamentals and strategy. Like what, like skate to where the puck's going. I know it's a classic Wayne Gretzky quote, but we always believe in derivatives. We always believed in different form factors and experiences. So we, we basically bypassed the flower section and uh, really went to where we knew the sector would end up. And And part of it too is is credibility. There's a reason why eight of the top 10 licensed producers in Canada are using our services. Uh, even some of the large CPG companies that you'll see shortly uh, entering the space, there, there's reasons why they chose Valens over other people. And we're excited to kind of continue to uh, set the stage or, or continue to lead the pack as far as uh, not only stock performance, but even focus and fundamentals. I want to talk COVID. Uh, it seems to be that you know, a lot of companies are seeing 
you know, they were on shaky ground, you know, before, as Nick alluded to, the last year and a half has been really tough. Um, and COVID does seem to be the nail in the coffin for a lot of players um, in this space. How are you guys handling it um, from, you know, from an internal perspective? You know, what are you doing with your, um, with your staff and your employees? Um, and then how are you, you know, working it through with your clients, um, you know, in this age of, of quarantine and, you know, making sure that, you know, your supply chain is intact. What, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to keep your business up and running? Yeah, so that is a massive question and I'll do my best to kind of touch on every aspect. Uh, but getting back to the, the overall sector and, and COVID and its effects, I, I truly believe some companies are using it as an excuse uh, for, for flawed business strategies or fundamentals. Like COVID, it, it came regardless and, and we're going to see who's real and who isn't and who had a sound strategy. And obviously we were all facing challenges as, as far as uh, ethical safety in the workplace and making sure people are... are uh, their health and safety is number one, but I don't think people can hide behind COVID because everybody in the entire space and in the entire world is dealing with it. So it's it's not an excuse. You just have to do what you can and mitigate as much risk. But as far as Valens, we, we've, we've basically done everything we could. So we've limited how many people are going in the, the rooms at a time. We've limited how many people are on the facility. Uh, we've, we've mandated that everybody that physically can work from home is, uh, and we're doing our best to mitigate that. Uh, and then even supply chain, what I, I would say was a big one, is getting access to products, whether it's vape pen, hardware, packaging, different supplies, has been a challenge because transportation isn't operating the same and even uh, bringing stuff in from Asia or even Mexico is, is a little bit more challenging. Uh, but again, I, I, we're not going to use that as an excuse. We're, we're working through it and we're doing the best that we can, but uh, it's been challenging for everybody to say the least. I want to stick on that, uh, that what you brought up there about the supply chain, because I think a lot of it has, for a lot of uh, the businesses here, have been thrown off dramatically especially those that are working with vape hardware and packaging coming from China. How are you guys, uh, can you expand more on how you guys are handling that disruption? Uh, yeah, we're, we're basically being realistic on expectations and commuting, uh, communication is a big one for us. Is It's just uh, talking to our partners, talking to the licensed producers as to what we can and cannot do. And, and one thing a lot of people don't realize is that China basically put a stop halt on vape pens uh, due to surgical grade uh, stainless steel that they were taking for ventilators. So there's almost a, a full out stop in production of hardware in, in China and, and it seems to be moving now, but it definitely put a lag uh, on hardware coming out. So uh, part of it is transparency, communication, and just doing the best uh, with what we could. Uh, also, because our supply chain is so strong, we, we had a lot of inventory in the backstock or in the backdrop that we could basically rely on moving forward. So we haven't been uh, affected as, as much as other people have, but it, it's definitely a challenge still. Anything specific keeping you up at night as it relates to COVID and, and your company? I would say that the unknown would keep me up at night because we really don't know what the future brings. We don't know if, if we're going to come out the other end next month, next year, or if, if COVID is going to be like the seasonal flu going forward from now on. Uh, so it's, it is challenging, but again, we, we have the right team. We have the right uh, platform that we're, we're going to do the best we can and uh, put ourselves in the best shape to be successful, which I think we've, we've done to date. Uh, and part of it too is just assessing risk going forward. Like where are the, the issues we see and, and how can we get in front of them? I totally agree. I think that, you know, there's so much uncertainty here. It's hard for you to want to say, like, I, I'm sure that you want to say, like, you know, the, and as soon as everything's back up, everything's going to be great. But it, we really don't know what that future looks like. Um, and, and I think we could just, you know, be 
COVID into the ground as much as we possibly could if we kept talking about it. So I want I want to move off that and not make you have to do talk about uncertainty too much more. Um, and I actually want to go back and explore some of your your entrepreneurial journey. And one of the things we really like to talk about a lot here, Tyler, is what are the mistakes that uh, entrepreneurs have made on their path um, to getting to where they are today? What what have you learned from your past and that's made you a better you know entrepreneur and executive? Oh, I wish I could have a, a few hours to tell you all the mistakes I've made over the years, <laughs> but uh, it really just comes down to a few that have really stuck with me. And, and kind of the first one is, is you can't keep everybody happy. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you're doing, not everybody will, will understand why you're doing the certain things you do. So at the end of the day, you need to make fundamentally sound business decisions and, and know uh, that you're doing the best you can. And you will make mistakes and there will be hiccups, but... Uh, it's inevitable. You can't keep everybody happy, whether it's investors. And then that's one thing that I found really challenging in the early days. If the share price was at four, they wanted five. If you got to five, they wanted six. So they were never happy. And just uh, working through that is a big one. And then focus. Like, don't get distracted by shiny objects. Don't get distracted by the easy way out. Really focus, do the fundamentals and uh, consistency. Remain consistent in the goals and have a clear strategy on where you're trying to get. Uh, a big thing too, what we did at Valens is we worked backwards. We knew where we wanted to get uh, into the derivative game and, and extracts. And then how did we work backwards to basically implement those uh, in the early stages? Going back to what you just said about investors, has that sentiment changed at all over the last two months? Are they starting to be a little bit more reasonable to what, you, what you're telling them? I would say the the savvy investors, the, the, the fundamentally sound investors are definitely cognizant and, and almost have realistic expectations. It's just some of the retail ones that no matter what you do, they want more, 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 where, where it's almost like a hamster wheel. So uh, no matter what you do, they, they want more. So uh, you basically have to take it with a grain of salt, essentially. But uh, Knowing the landslide of the entire cannabis space, how hard it's been, the challenges everybody's faced, uh, you, you do the best with what you can. Do you think the uh, because cannabis is so heavily retail investor focused, um, you know, mostly because a lot of the big banks just can't play in it yet? Um, do you think that? that the, the industry in and of itself has suffered because it has been it has been so heavily retail held? Or do you think that, you know, you're grateful that, you know, we have this, this um, capital base that 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 we can actually grow our business from? Or, or I guess, do you see it two sides of the coin of of the positive having a lot of retail investors and the negative having a lot of retail investors? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's, it's almost 50-50 because a lot of companies have hurt the sector by being driven by news releases over promotion and, and basically just trying to get something in investors' eyes either daily or weekly where that's not fundamentally sound, it's not sustainable. Uh, and they almost basically built their business trying to reward investors. And you look at all these massive greenhouses that went up that aren't fundamentally sound. Or even if you look at some of the coldest places in Canada, uh, they've basically built greenhouses just for press releases. Um, doesn't make sense. Uh, but at the same time, like we wouldn't, the sector wouldn't be moving the way it was if it wasn't for retail investors. So it, it's kind of a hybrid, uh, but I am excited for fundamentals to really win. So when the big banks come in or the investment firms or the hedge funds, uh, when they can 
basically move in with pension funds and really be sound investors and look at results and look at revenue and look at EBITDA and who's making money and who's doing all the right things. And I think those guys will definitely win in time. But uh, right now, it, it's like we have to be happy with where we are because, again, no one's done this before. It's still new. Uh, I know people act like cannabis has been around for a long time. It, it's technically, yeah, it's been in the shadows for a long time, but it's only been legal for a couple of years. So, uh we need to think a little bit more long-term and, and be happy with the progress we've made to date. Do you think that, and, and I don't mean to go back to COVID again, but I'm going to do it anyway, um, that it almost hastened what was already going to happen with some of these companies. You know, we talked about them kind of being on shaky footing and, you know, uh, running their business on press releases and, and vapor for a really bad pun. Um, do you think that, that coming out of COVID and let's say, you know, in 18 months or two years from now, you know, we'll have some market consolidation will happen and we'll have just a crop of really strong um, companies in the space. Or do you think the shakeout will last longer? No, I, I think it's definitely accelerated the inevitable. I think this was going to happen regardless. Uh, easy money is gone. You have to now prove yourself. It's not mm -hmm. what you're going to do. It's what you've done over a long period of time. So it, it essentially just accelerated the end for a few of these organizations that, that weren't sound. Uh, but that being said, I do believe uh, consolidation will be healthy for the sector. And the, the guys that are doing the right things can team up with the other groups that are. And I think they're going to be extremely profitable and extremely strong. Uh, and you'll be able to bet on those guys to, to really do the right thing and be fundamentally sound and, and continue to grow. Tyler, you've been incredibly generous with your time. So again, for all our listeners, we're talking with Tyler Robson, CEO of the Valens Company. We have one last question for you, um, and, and then we'll be able to let you go. But, you know, if outside of all the COVID headlines that you're seeing on, on the top of your, your newspaper, on the top of every website, what's the one story that you think the media is missing when it comes to the cannabis industry? So in essence, if you're picking up the Globe and Mail, what's that story you want to see on A1? Who's making money? And it sounds so bad, but I'm, I'm kind of over everybody talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and what products they're going to launch. Who's done it? Who's done it in a timely manner? And who's making money? Who's running a profitable organization that is going to be sustainable regardless of COVID, regardless of a recession or depression, whatever you want to call it, is who's making money and who's being fundamentally sound. And I don't think that gets enough attention right now because if you look at some of the losses coming out for some of the industry players, loss over loss, multi-millions, uh, it, it's bringing everybody down. So I think they really need to focus on, on who's fundamentally sound, who's growing at a, a reasonable rate and scalable. Uh, and who's doing it right and who who isn't. And I, I don't think that the guys that are doing it right are getting enough attention. I love it. I totally agree. I think it's so aspirational sometimes that you forget, like, wait, how are these companies actually getting along? For sure. Our thanks to Tyler Robson, the CEO of The Valens Company, a KCSA client. Check them out online at thevalenscompany.com. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore GreenRush or on Instagram at the GreenRush underscore podcast or drop us an email, greenrush at kcsa.com. We are always looking for feedback and guest ideas and love letters and hate mail and all of that good stuff. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay. One take.